Hello and welcome back to the show. You're listening to The Waiting Room. I'm Dara Maluli and I will be your host. I'm a content creator and veterinary marketeer. And on this show, we come together to help you build your best practice. On this episode, I meet Roy Farrell from Petcare, an aquatic brand, Interpet. But today, Roy isn't here to talk about work. Since going on furlough, Roy has made quite the name for himself on the Nottingham charity scene, all in a little pink tuk-tuk. So without further ado, let's dive into my chat with Roy Farrell. So Roy, you're very welcome to the podcast, to The Waiting Room. So it's season two, so you're my first guest of season two. So good man. For listeners who aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about where you're from, what your background is, and how you got involved in this world of animal health. Well, uh, last 10 years, I, I've been working for Interpet, a central garden, uh, central garden company. I'm a, an aquatic and pet specialist. So I've always worked in retail, but in the last 30 years as uh, in pet retail, in the pet trade. Mm-hmm. So in the pet trade, I've specifically done some retail pet management, uh, animal health management, People train, uh, people training on husbandry, and NVQ training as well. Bit of a jack of all trades, huh? Yeah, master of none. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what um, you were obviously you were furloughed, but before that, talk us through maybe like a day at Interpet. What what did your what did your day look like before you were before you were put on furlough? Most of my time, I was worked from home. So that's how I got the office. Uh, and I was looking after accounts like yourselves, uh, looking, making sure the data's up to date, your images are up to date, and all, all your promotions are current. Uh, we're also communicating with uh, vets to make sure that they're getting a good service and what, what more I can do to support the vets via, via yourselves. Uh, that lot of it is administrative when I'm at home. Uh, what I like to do is come and visit you guys. Uh, I, I travel all over the UK. I look after all the vets, wholesalers uh, and, and vets. Uh, so I travel all over the UK and Ireland. Uh, so I come and have a meeting, just a general chit chat really, because it's nice to speak to people. Yeah. The old fashioned thing is just talking uh, and you can get so much over in a conversation than you can on email. And, and from that chat, we normally work out what we're going to do in the next three to six months. So we have a plan and then after that we come I come home and we start working towards that plan. Excellent. What would you say drew you into the, the world of animal health? What kind of what kind of prompted you to, to get involved in it? I've been working since I was twelve. So it's always in a retail environment. And I was working in a convenience store business many years ago when I was a young lad. I think I was in my twenties and uh I've done very well. I, I do really well. I was in the top of my game, I suppose, for that company. It's a big multiple company with 600 stores. And I overheard an area manager talking about me saying, we don't have to worry about Roy. He's the, what you call a steady Eddie. <laughs> so I never got any visits or prompt. I always created my own workload. I always was well driven. And I thought, well, it's not nice to be thought of that and, and just be left alone to your own devices. It's always nice to have someone to come and see you, talk to people, and then you can bounce ideas off people and, and develop businesses. So I thought, well, I could stay there for the rest of my life. But I took a, 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 an opportunity came up for Pet City. 
So I joined Pet City uh, on the ground level and they, they became 90 stores. These are massive sort of out-of-town retail unit. From then on, uh, it became PetSmart, head office base as well as store base, a little bit in the USA. Uh, then I joined Pets at Home. I've done about 13 years. Excellent. Talk us through a little bit about, about going on furlough. You were ill at the time when you went on furlough or you were having an operation or recovering? Yeah, uh, I've had a hip problem for about the last 15 years. Uh, I used to have a, a spring app dog, used to walk very regularly, used to, I used to be like outdoors all the time and uh, walking, used to like to dance as well, so, but when the hip became a problem, uh, last, last November I managed to get to see someone from hips and they agreed that both, both hips need replacing. So since that meeting in November with a consultant, my first hip was replaced in January. So yeah, so that was all going well. I had hip replaced in January uh, and all was good. I was back on my feet within a few days. Um, Ian the pet was really good uh, with me, really good. I had, uh, took six weeks off to recover and then I started coming back slowly, doing restricted hours, just a few, day, a few hours a day, leading back to full time in April. And then COVID came. So God, you were back on your feet within a couple of days. That's, that's amazing. Yes, the operation was on a, a Monday. I was climbing stairs on a Thursday. God, I thought you'd be off your feet for weeks. No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, it takes a long time to build your muscles up. Uh, yeah. it, what it does, it, it, it takes energy out of you. It's a major operation. Mm. So you haven't got much energy uh, and you've got to build it up slowly. And you've got a lot of the physio exercises to do as well. Uh, I remember as well, I've still got my other hip which was still painful so it's hard to do the exercises in total but you get up to a level which I have done. And do you have to do a lot of um, at-home exercises and physio yourself? I was going to the hospital quite regular every week to do physio and doing the, on the gym but when all Covid happened uh, that all cancelled it as well be at home. Okay so then Covid hit and then there were Farewell, Roy, for a little while anyway. So what, how, how was your head after you figured out that you were going to be on furlough? From, from February, uh, when I was recovering up until the furlough time, my head was all over the place anyway. So I'm normally quite active and very independent. So mm. I couldn't say I was a really good patient because I'm quite independent and don't like too much help. It came to me because in February, we had the wettest month, the wettest February in years. And we had a really bad storm as well. So we lost the garden, the garden was de devastated, and there's nothing I could do. I couldn't physically do anything to repair it or replace it. I just had uh, friends come over and family come to help tidy up what we can. So that was quite difficult. So knowing that I couldn't do much anyway, it was quite, quite a challenge. So I wasn't in a very good place, really. Mm. But when, you know, but you have to think to yourself, there's people worse off than me, and there was. So uh, once COVID came, it was, it was very frustrating. There's a, there was no, no, no shopping, no food. You're locked, seriously locked down. You couldn't go out. It's not like it is now. It's, it, when you reflect back on it, uh, how things have changed. So it's, it's just, uh, it's really difficult. Being self-driven, I tried to keep myself busy. And there was a couple of neighbours of mine who lived in the cul-de-sac, worked for the NHS, and they were self-isolating. 
So thinking, well, Roy, you've got it bad, but other people with children are self-isolating. Can't get any shops, you can't get your food, you, remember you couldn't get your bread. So I used to have milk delivered with the uh, milkman, uh, and no one else can open a new account because they were bombarded with uh, their own deliveries to build. So I just increased my delivery. So I, I delivered my neighbours milk and dairy products. So that's how it started. I was getting up, a reason to get up every morning, and I had a small milk round. Okay. That's cool. So that is how my volunteering life started. And it just skyrocketed from there. It did, yeah. Uh, we then had a local restaurant looking for volunteers because he started uh, delivering food to the NHS, to the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And they wanted drivers. So I then started, after my milk round, I then started delivering NHS food. So okay. we delivered to big hospitals in Nottingham and the prison. So we'd done that once or twice a week uh, we, uh, and there's a lot of nurses were in uh, in hotels and put me up places as well we had a, we've got a local golf course it's got a hotel in that mm. was full of nurses no, it's nice to see people because i was stuck in as well it's, and, and i was quite lucky to get out that's it you probably weren't seeing anybody else so oh, no because we can't get allowed out so i actually got we've got a letter from the council giving us permission to go out uh so we we're just out delivering food okay but the nurses and the doctors, they were really quite chuffed. They, they, they did seem they? genuinely very pleased. Some were quite emotional. Were they? Yeah, and there were some which looked physically very tired. Then they got all blisters around their faces, or whether, you know, whether they've been wearing a mask all day and sweat mm. and heat. We lived beside a doctor, so she'd come out to the step and we'd go to the step and have a cup of tea and just chat from a distance. But she yeah. just looked... Yeah, like wrecked all the time and just crazy long hours, but like fair play to them. They've done a stellar job over the last couple of months with COVID. So after the NHS things, uh, the, lo- the local charity is asking for volunteers to help with the community. What was the charity called? The, the Rosie May Charity is a, an international charity, but it's got an office in Nottingham. Because it's yeah, based in Nottingham, but they work in, is it Sri Lanka? Uh, so they work in Sri Lanka. They also do a bit of work in Naples. Uh, they've got an office in Australia, but uh, because it's a Sri Lankan sort of theme type charity, we have a, a tuk-tuk in Bingham, in Nottingham, which is which sort of like the badge of the charity. So this was advertised, come and learn to drive a tuk-tuk and help the community. First job was once I learned to drive the tuk-tuk is delivering prescriptions. So how is it uh, learning to drive a tuk-tuk as opposed to... A, a regular car. What's the what's the difference? If you used to have an old uh, Vespa, your gears are on the handle, right. so you, it's like the clutch. You got the you got you pull the clutch, then it's down one, mm. then up two, three to four. Okay, cool. So there's Roy zipping around Nottingham and, and his tuk tuk doing the pharmacy yes. run, huh? Yeah. So I deliver in phar- pharmacy medics like medications. So these are people who are self isolating or vulnerable very conscious of my own health as well benefit of meeting people and seeing people sort of took that away and were there um, any kind of standout people that you met i'm sure you, like how many i think you said maybe 2500 deliveries you've done so far 2700 today 2700 from today that's amazing yeah. so tell us about some of the people that you've that you've encountered over the last couple of months i was delivering afternoon teas for the vulnerables, we know who they are because I've been delivering the medications and we got together a community to make up cakes, sandwiches, whatever, and I was going around delivering them as a, an afternoon tea. 
So there's one particular lady, just her and a dog, no family, isolated, knocked on the door, she wasn't expecting us, uh, and she just broke down in tears. It was so simple just to hand over a plate of sandwiches and cakes, uh, a simple plate of food. So simple, but to that person, it probably made their, made their week. Absolutely. You, you check they're okay, you have a chat, you know, you're only there 10, 15 minutes just to reassure them and just, and just listen to it, just listening. That's it. That's all you need sometimes, isn't it? Did you become a, a bit of a local, local celebrity? Around, the, around Nottingham? Well, I'm not the only volunteers. We've, got, we've now got a, a small group of volunteers. So I managed the, the schedule for them. Uh, so we, we needed someone to manage the, uh, the community event. We had someone who, to train the drivers. Uh, well, the Rosie May Foundation, they, they help quite a lot of people in Nepal, well, single women in Nepal and Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only are we working to help the community, there's still things needs to be done in Sri Lanka. Uh, there's women who can't work. There's women who, who get sexually abused. So they tell you find they're just by themselves with their own children. They can't work. So what we do, we uh, we try and raise money to give them a tuk-tuk. So they've got we've got a fleet of tuk-tuks in Sri Lanka where single women drive them and they're like taxi drivers. They then create their own work. So they're given children's lift to schools. Uh, so they then got a job, so they be able to feed their own children. And tell us about this rickshaw challenge that you that you became involved in. So the Tuk Tuk Challenge came up as a it, it, there's a travel company where there's these challenges, extreme challenges all over the world. Mm. But because of lockdown, they couldn't do that. So what they've done, they've partnered up with the charity, the Rosie May Foundation, and said, "Well, let's have a Tuk Tuk Challenge in the UK." So that was where it was born. Mm-hmm. about four weeks for it all to happen and uh, maybe less than four weeks but we get we gained enough momentum to uh, get 14 other tuk-tuks to join us so they paid for it like a, a holiday okay an extreme adventure they bought their own tuk-tuks the actual holiday company provided backup so we had a tuk-tuk van to, to do the maintenance uh to support us and that's how it began so it's uh round the wells in four days 350 miles around Wales in four days uh, yeah uh, that was obviously uh, with a you did break for a, a, a little bit uh, of a yeah, sleep yeah, didn't yeah. you <laughs> it was an amazing adventure it was amazing we went through lovely places and people were just so surprised to see a, a range of tuk-tuks just drive up like a load of tuk-tuks just rocking up to their uh, to their front door people just <laughs> came up to us we had newspapers come up for interviewers uh, there's been a radio slot, mm. uh, and the communities around Wales uh, just all came up to see us. So people paid for the, uh, the Tuk Tuk Challenge, and the Hollywood Company gave uh, like 10% of all funds raised from that. So that went towards charity. Mm-hmm. We also done collections on the way. We raised money for it. We got £400 in the bucket, which is amazing. Just £400 in loose change. Uh, then the tuk-tuk drivers uh, themselves uh, were giving people lifts when we stopped in towns. They were just collecting donations. That all uh, went on. Uh, and, and I had my own Just Giving page as well. We'll put the, the link to your Just Giving page in the show notes. So where can people find out more about the Rosie May Foundation? RosieMay.com. Uh, everything they need there. There's a donation page as well. But there's lots of reading material, how they help children. 
there's a lot of charities out there that help children, but this is me just doing my bit. So Roy, what is next? What's next on your agenda? So I'm now, we're now working, doing our own little tuk-tuks uh, days out. So we're offering people's, uh, like their own experiences. Go out for a day, have a little picnic. The tuk-tuk is so well known in Nottingham. It's a little picnic tuk-tuk. Mm. Everyone smiles when they see you. Uh, I'm going down the road, they're waving at me, I'm tooting my horn, uh, waving. And you've got to be careful because when you get back in your own car, you can't do that. <laughs> like who's this lunatic that keeps beeping at me yeah. uh, Roy maybe you'll uh, you'll take a trip up to Edinburgh to see us or to Dumfries in our other office and you can pay, pay us a visit at Covetris with your pink tuk-tuk absolutely absolutely give me a reason to come up there I'll come up it's because it's going to take me more than a day at 100% it will take you more than a day <laughs> Roy we'll leave it there thanks so much for coming on the podcast really appreciate it and best of luck with everything